Uh, I will say this. I might not have the usual invitation here at the end of my lesson because it's going to feed into the communion rather than a normal invitation. But this goes all the time. Just know, know this. If you need something, find one of our elders, find me at any time. Like sometimes you don't have to wait for an invitation. And I'll say this, if somebody wants to get baptized in this moment right now, stop me. Just say, Colby, hold on a second. I want to get baptized. I I couldn't think of nothing better than to be interrupted for that reason. So that's actually how Acts chapter 2, whenever Peter's preaching, they say, they they interrupt him and say, what do we do? He says, get baptized. Uh, You know. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And so it kind of interrupted Peter's sermon. And I think, man, that'd be great. I want somebody to interrupt my sermon someday and say, hey, stop right now. I'm ready. And if you're ready, I'll be ready. So anyway, I'll, I'm putting that out there that, you know, regardless of, sometimes our worship service, most of the time, I imagine, will be familiar to you and we'll have the stand and sing and offer invitations and things like that. Maybe not every time. And again, this worship service is a little bit different, but always know. Our hearts and our doors and God's door especially is standing wide open. At any moment, if you feel the need to respond, respond. Let the Spirit lead you to respond to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So I want to lay that framework and I'll reemphasize that in the future too. That uh, That's what we're about. And not just about the sermon and the progression of worship and taking the steps and that, you know, following a format. You know, we are about the message touching hearts. And so if ever you want to stop me, stop me. Ah, That invitation is always open. But this morning, as we think about communion, and this is, I love the fact in churches of Christ, we have a table. And usually it sits up front. Not every church building, but I like it when it does. Because this is the centerpiece of our worship. This is what we've come together to do. And while we've been doing it at home, and that's good too, it's good to, I mean, we, we do it, nothing stops us from doing it. We'll do it at home, we'll do it wherever we can gather, whether one, well, even one, but, you know, two, three, whatever, we gather around a table. We take the bread and we take the cup. And the thing is, sometimes we might have to do it on our own, but it's meant to do together. This is meant to bring us together. This is God's table. And he's telling his kids, he's ringing the bell, dinner time, come sit down at my table. Enjoy the feast I prepared for you. And that feast is the body and the blood of Christ, which saves us, which reinforces our salvation, which reminds us of our salvation, which continually brings us together as the children of God. Because a lot of things divide. This coronavirus divides. I had a mask in my... There we go. This is the mask Lisa had sitting on the car seat for me before I came to Winsboro. Um, not to necessarily wear this morning to worship, although if you need to, you need to. That's okay. I mean, uh, and I probably don't wear it as much as Lisa would like me to wear it. Um, she's being a little bit more cautious than I am. I'm, I'm trying to do what I can. It's, it's hard to know. And, and the thing is, you have polar opposites. You have people over here saying, batten down the hatches, don't do anything, you know, lock, don't go around anybody, and, and understand that. And then you have over here people saying, it doesn't matter, just get out, get it over with. And then you got anywhere along the spectrum in between. And I don't know. But I do know that 
just like so many things, whether it be politics uh, or you name it, here's yet another wedge driving in dividing people. Because maybe you're on the right, conservative, you're on the left, progressive, and that divides us. Of course, Republican, Democrat divides us. I'm going to catch on that. Um, whether you're city folk, country folk, urban, rural, that divide, so many things in this country divide us. And I think, um, I don't know, I haven't been around, you know, for all of our country's history, obviously. I wasn't here in 1776, but I look at the way things are now and I wonder, have, have we, you know, this division that's just so prominent everywhere, politically, socially, I feel like it's getting worse. Maybe it's been worse, obviously. Our country fought a civil war where we killed each other. We're not there yet. I don't want to get there, but we're divided. And everything is like almost trying to divide us. And I seem to be pulled one way or the other. And what I want to emphasize today is Christ brings us together. That of all the divisions that this world tries to, Satan tries to put those wedges in. And we say, not his church, not our church, not God's people. We refuse to be divided. We all have different opinions. You'll think one thing, I'll think another, and we'll have different approaches, and we're different, but not divided. And that comes out in John chapter 4, the story of the woman at the well. Often with the story of the woman at the well, we focus on the woman and her five husbands and the fact that she's with a guy that's not her husband. I want to look instead at the things that are dividing in her mind and how Jesus is bringing together. So, starting in chapter 4, the first few verses here, uh, he knew that the Pharisees heard he was winning and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were that probably should be the end of chapter 3. Whoever divided up the chapters, I disagree with sometime. But verse 3, he left Judea and set out for Galilee. But he had to pass through Samaria. Now he came to a Samaritan town called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, since he was tired from the journey, sat right down beside the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, "'Give me some water to drink.'" For the disciples, your translation might say, had nothing to do with Jews. Or for the, Samar- for the disciples had gone off to town by supplies. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for water to drink? For the Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. Well, my translation says, For the Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Emphasizing the point that it was incredibly taboo for Jesus to say, Let me have a drink out of your cup. Because she was unclean. And you don't drink out of something that an unclean non-Jew had used. And so he wanted to actually share her container of water. And maybe that's what shocked her. Uh, But that there was this separation. Samaritans over here, Jews over here. Jews have their worship in Jerusalem. Samaritans have their worship on the mountain, which she's going to ask about in just a moment. She lives in a separated country. Jesus was passing through Samaria to get back to Galilee. And he sits down at the well, but then he breaks a rule. You're not supposed to associate. Not supposed to associate with a woman. 
You can associate with women if they're in your family in ancient times. But if they're not in your family or going to be in your family, as in you're betrothed to them or something, you're really not supposed to have public interaction. Guys generally did not talk to girls out in public unless they were their own family. Jesus is breaking that rule. And the disciples are surprised by it if you look down to verse 27 when they come back. They aren't shocked he's talking to a Samaritan. They're shocked he's talking to a woman. But the woman's surprised because she's a Samaritan woman and you're asking me for a drink? You a drink out of my cup? Never heard a Jew do that before. Asking a Samaritan woman for a drink. Even a lot of Jews would go the long way around not even pass through Samaria. So it was divided. Like Republican, Democrat. Like North and South. And Jesus breaks down those divisions. He says, no. Those divisions aren't what define you. And I hope we get that this morning. A lot of things do separate us. Maybe even this coronavirus. The fact that some are here and some are still worshiping at home. And we're all trying to figure this thing out as best we can. And that's fine. And that's good. We want to support each other, help each other do that. But it doesn't divide us. Not the church. We won't let it divide us. Whatever other distinctions and separations there are, we will be God's people. So, the division of Jew and Samaritan, Jesus starts to tear down that wall. Let's keep going. Jesus answered her, If you had known the gift of God and who it was who said you give some water to drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman doesn't get it. She says, sir, how can you get this water? You don't have a bucket. We know Jesus is not talking about physical water. And so here's another thing that separates us. We don't understand each other. Often we talk past each other. And a lot of the arguments I see and maybe even participate in, um, it's not so much arguing as it is talking past each other and not listening to each other. Now, Jesus is obviously listening to her, but she's just not following Jesus. She's not getting it. And he goes on to talk about wellspring of water within you, and she wants it. Oh, I want that water, but she still just doesn't get it. She's not listening, at least not listening with her heart. And sometimes we might hear something with our ears, but... And I'm guilty of this. Lisa can tell you. She's not here this morning, obviously, with the kids. They stayed in Oklahoma. And probably next Sunday, too. It might be a couple of weeks before uh, they come with me. We're sorting out this whole trying to move and sell a house, buy a house. But uh, we don't listen to each other. And sometimes I don't listen to Lisa. Sometimes when I'm listening to Lisa, you know what my mind's doing? Getting ready for my response. How am I going to respond? How am I going to answer? rather than just trying to soak up her point of view or what she's trying to tell me and communicate to me. I'm just getting ready, you know, for my side. And so she's missing it, and we miss it, and that divides us. That continues to divide us, especially now that we have a platform like Facebook where all we can do is just air out our opinions about everything and not have to listen to anything, anybody. We just keep reiterating our own opinions. And that's kind of dangerous. Because we're called to listen. Because I don't have all the answers. God does. Jesus does. The woman should have been trying a little bit harder to listen to what Jesus was actually trying to communicate with her. 
rather than assuming she knew what he was talking about. Then we get, you know what? I have a clicker here. I'm like, why aren't those slides advancing? I forgot. I said I was going to do it. <laughs> I got to get used to this again. This is, uh, I'm out of practice. So if we're divided by confusion, verses 10 through 15. Also divided by experience. She lived a very different kind of life than Jesus had lived. What's usually focused on here are her relationships with previous men. Husbands. Um, and maybe we'll get into that at another time. I don't want to focus on that. I just want to say that this woman was in a very different place than Jesus. Jesus, the perfect example of what holiness would look like. Her life, not so much. She had made some mistakes. Maybe had been vulnerable. And I, I don't want to put it all on her. I mean, in that society, a woman needed a man. It was hard for a woman. I mean, incredibly hard. Uh, for a woman without a man to be taken care of. They couldn't just go out and find their own job. It wasn't possible. And so maybe some men had just kind of kicked her around between them. I don't know. But she wasn't living the ideal life by any means. Far from it. And that divides us. We, we have the expectations of what our life should look like, and then we have how our life actually turns out. And while there's different levels and maybe some of it is more visible than others, uh, hers was obviously maybe well-known by the town. That's why she was in the middle of the day rather than gathering water with the rest of the women. She wanted to avoid the rest of the women as much as she could. But the thing is, those things divide. You have the people over here living, you know, making, have, making these mistakes and living with the consequences of their mistakes and maybe they're ostracized or just kind of pushed to the edges of culture, the marginalized. And then you have others that at least pretend to have it together, but it's usually all they do is pretend. And we have to try hard not to be those people either. But to realize, eh, I'm not perfect. And therefore I am separated from what the life I should be living to the life I'm actually living. And that can divide us. But again, we're the church. We don't let, let it. Because our identity is not based on our past mistakes. Our identity is in Christ. We are together in Christ. Regardless of what we talk about or believe or adhere to, uh, philosophically or politically or whatever, and whatever life we've come from in the past, and the struggles we maybe had, and maybe struggles of our own making, all of that's gone because we gather around this table. We've all got a spot. In God's family, nobody's at the table over in the corner. We're all at the big table with our Father and with each other. But that begs the question, who's right? When it comes to this coronavirus thing, who's right? When it comes to any issue you want to throw out there that divides us, the question, who's right, who's right, who's right? And the woman asks, because she's eager to change the subject, you Jews worship in Jerusalem. We worship at the mountain. Who's right? And Jesus actually tells her who's right. He says, the Jews worship what we know. You, Samaritans, don't know. So the traditions, their worship that they had been doing, what had been... Um, 
affected over the years and had lost uh, just the pure message of what Moses had given the people. And Jesus said the Jews had the pure message of what Moses had given the people. And so we worship right. And Jesus makes that. He says, all right, there is a right and there is a wrong. And this coronavirus thing, I imagine in another few months or maybe in a year or two or whatever, we're going to look back and go, oh, they were right, they were wrong. For now, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't have a clue. I'm hoping I'm doing okay. But I'm the expert, and I don't even know if in a couple of years we'll be able to say that. Who knows? Uh, we'll probably still be spinning it to fit whatever we want to make it fit. But the thing is, even if there is a right and a wrong that separates us, that itself doesn't define us either. Because Jesus says, when it comes to who's right, let me tell you what's important. The time is coming and now is when the Father will seek those who worship in spirit and truth. It won't matter whether you're at the Jerusalem or at the mountain. And in this case, this morning, it doesn't matter if you're here or if you stayed home. Obviously, you didn't stay home. But for those that have stayed home, it honestly doesn't matter. That doesn't divide us. We should not let that divide us. Because you know what God wants? Worshippers who worship in spirit and in truth. That brings us together. The woman says, well, when the Messiah comes, we'll figure it out. You know, this prophet has given her an answer, and she, she's accepted that he's a prophet, but he said the Jews are right, so, are, well, you might know, you might not. I'm not going to quite believe you yet. I'm, that's not the answer I was looking for, so I'm going to be extra skeptical. When the Messiah comes, then we'll know for sure. And then Jesus says, you're looking at him. I who speak to you am he. And that changes this woman. Because I don't know if she fully believes or maybe there's the wheels start turning in her mind or the light bulb's not fully lit, just a little bit of a soft glow, whatever. But you see in her that in, if that's true, if Jesus is the Messiah, all those things that divide, they don't matter anymore. Do you know what she does? She goes back into town. And she tells all these other Samaritans, hey, come out and talk to this Jew. I'd, I'd be as crazy as Jesus asking for a cup of water. Why would a bunch of Samaritans go out and listen to a Jew? Well, she said, I think he might be the Messiah. And if he is, everything that we're used to doesn't matter anymore. The things that normally would separate us, they're gone. I don't care about them anymore because he, if he's the Messiah, that's all that matters. And she's also going back and talking with people she's been trying to avoid. As far as her history is... Um, I think she probably had a reputation in the town. And literally, whenever she is... Jesus is using the word man. There's actually not the word. The word for husband doesn't exist in the Greek language. What he says is, go call your man. She said, I have no man. And you know, they're talking about husband here. That's what's implied. That's how they use the term. He said, you've had five men. Five marriages, I don't know, maybe. But he said, you've had five men. And the man you now have is not your man. I don't know he's saying you're living with somebody. I think he might be saying, is how I hear it, you're having a relationship with another woman's man. 
He, no, he doesn't belong to you. He belongs to someone else, but you have a, you're having a relationship with him anyway. I don't know that they were living together. I think that... So, I mean, it, it gets kind of dicey. And this woman having reputation, I mean, staying far out, going to the well when nobody else was there, but you know what? She runs back into town and says, hey, everybody listen to me. She didn't normally like that attention, I don't think. But again, if Jesus is the Messiah... All that stuff doesn't matter anymore. Now, sin matters. And she will need to get rid of sin, but the sin in the past doesn't matter. Because I met Jesus. Now, he's all that matters. I'll give myself to him. I'll follow him. He'll bring me to my father's table. Pull out a chair and say, sit here. You belong with God. And his grace and power and spirit washes you clean. And again, nothing else matters. Those divisions that we worry about so much, and then we watch the news or look at Facebook, whatever. There's lots of things to divide. I just want to reiterate this morning. We're together. We, we left those divisions at the door. And hopefully even further than that. We come and we sit down at a table together. So I want you to do something as we get ready for communion. You know, Jesus, I won't even get to that. Well, I'll touch on the spirit and truth later as well. Um, I think it's not a matter of what's true, it's who's true. I'll get to that later. Right now I want you to look to the person, as we think about communion in a moment, look to your right. Find somebody sitting to your right. If you're on the right side, I guess, you know, find somebody on your left. But most people, look to your right. Just whoever catches your eye. Family member, not family member, a couple of pews away, whatever. Find somebody and just think about them. Here's the thing. That person is different than you. Has some pretty big differences from you. Has some pretty big different life experiences than you. They maybe have some different views than you, politically or socially or ideas about the way things should be. They probably have a different opinion about coronavirus than you do. They are not identical to you. And Satan would drive that wedge in and try to make it where you don't have anything to do with them because they're not just like you. But the thing is, God says, no. They belong at the table too. If you belong at the table, so do they. I don't care how different they are. If I can sit at this table... Anybody can sit at this table. And that was hard in the church, especially when it came to Jews and Samaritans and Jews and Gentiles. One of the biggest, earliest issues in the church was, I don't know if the Gentiles can sit down at that table. And Paul specifically said, oh, yes, they can or you can't. Because it's God's table. And even if they're different from you, really different from you, doesn't matter. If they want to follow Christ, if they want to come and pull up a seat in God's family, there's a spot for them. There's a spot for you. And whoever it is that's maybe very different from you, they've got a chair at God's table right next to you. Now look to the other side. Find somebody else to your left or whatever. Now I want to say that person's a sinner. <laughs> that person sins. And... I would say 
that just have different sins than you do. You've got sins too. Hope you know that. Bible says we're a liar if we try to say we don't. You've got sins. And the person next to you might have different sins. And their sins might bother you a lot. Or maybe they keep them really well hidden like you try to keep yours hidden. Maybe you go to the well in the afternoon so that nobody sees like this woman. And don't have to think about your past or your struggles. But that person sins, has habits, has struggles, has insecurities. Um, And if you're looking at me, same applies here. But you know what? We belong together around this table. I'm going to stop there because we want to have time to honor our seniors in a moment. And I'll say, seniors, uh, you've heard, I guess you haven't heard the valedictory speeches this year because of the strangeness of everything, but normally you hear about hope and future and promise and the world's the, the sky's the limit. Good. Embrace that. What I want to share with you is this road of life might have some strange turns. It will have some strange turns, and it might not go just the way you hope to plan. But you know what? At no point will there ever not be a chair for you at this table. You belong here. I belong here. This is our table, and we share in the body and blood of Christ.